What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan McHenry, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. Yes, we are back again. Like I said, we are on a grind this week, and I have four episodes out, two down, two more to go. We have quite an exciting episode, as last night was the expansion draft, and needless to say, some people were a bit surprised by the Kraken's decisions. We're going to get into why GM Ron Francis drafted the way he did and what the Kraken's future plans are. And then to finish out the episode, I will be talking about the NHL draft and my lottery pick predictions for tomorrow. So without further ado, let's hop right on in to another episode of Top Shelf. Alrighty, so... To start out the Seattle Kraken draft yesterday. Now, I was a bit surprised by some of their selections and kind of went, went down. There were not any uh, compensations or trades. So everyone they picked, they decided to pick on their own. Um, I know with Vegas that a lot of teams paid them to take certain players and stuff like that. And we saw how that worked out for Vegas. Um Ron Francis talked about it, that teams had time to prepare and that they knew this was coming. When Vegas came in, there hadn't been an expansion team for 17 years. And for them, it's only like it's only been like four years since the last one. So obviously teams kind of understood they had to be more cautious. Um, But there definitely were some interesting picks that we will get into. The first thing I want to say is just like almost like a couple of minutes ago, uh, the Seattle Kraken did make their first trade as the the trading freeze was lifted at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time today. The first trade they made was Tyler Pitlick, who they selected from the Arizona Coyotes, will be going to the Calgary Flames for a fourth round pick. Um, now, obviously, a fourth round pick isn't a lot, um, and it kind of makes me question the pick even more. It's for a 2022 fourth rounder next year. Um, because a guy who I thought they were going to take, Christian Fisher, um, he has a lot more value to him, and he's only on one million. Um, maybe they didn't think he would fit in well, and they didn't think they would be able to move him. But I think you could have moved him for at least a third round pick, which would have been more valuable. But as we get into more of the selections and who they kind of chose, um, I was looking at my predictions and I believe I got seven right, which is just under like a third, which I don't think is that bad considering I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. But let's talk about two of the players that the Seattle Kraken did decide to select. Now, these two players were going to be UFAs and obviously before they sign them, they want to make sure they get a deal done with them. So to start out is Jamie Alexiak, who will be the longest, has the longest contract for the Seattle Kraken and was their first signing. And so they have Jamie Alexiak, the left-handed defenseman from the Dallas Stars, $4.6 million average per year for the next five years. Now, that's a pretty hefty contract right there for a guy like Jamie Alexiak. I'm, I personally don't see it as a good deal, but they do have a lot of cap space. Um, Jamie Alexiak is six foot seven and is the heaviest player in the NHL. So quite a big body. And the second player, they got another kind of stay home 
defenseman from the Edmonton Oilers is Adam Larson, who they signed to a four-year, $4 million deal. Um, Adam Larson obviously uh, historically traded for Taylor Hall straight up, looks like a bad trade, was a bad trade. And I feel like that kind of put a lot of pressure on Adam Larson that he had to perform up to Taylor Hall. Adam Larson is a very, very, very good defenseman. Um, I think people call him overrated just because of what he was traded for, but you can't put that against him. He didn't choose to be traded for that. I really like Adam Larson on this team. And as we look at this team, there wasn't really any star players selected by the Seattle Kraken. So many people were left questioning, what are the Seattle Kraken doing? So right now their cap hit is at $50.7 million and they have $30.7 million left of cap space. Now that is a lot of money for cap space. And Ron Francis was interviewed and he really seemed to say that a lot of teams tend to panic once free agency comes and they have too many players signed and what's valuable cap space. So that looks like how he kind of decided to construct his team. He has a lot of cap space. Who knows what direction he's really going to go with this. Um, I think Ron Francis is playing the slow game. Uh, didn't really go for any of big star players. Obviously, there are still names that are very recognizable and will be great for this team. Jordan Eberly was selected from the New York Islanders. He will be there for another three years if they choose to keep him. This is if they keep all these players. Um, they selected Yanni Gord from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who is a very solid player, and they will have him for the next four years if they decide to keep him. They also selected a player like Mark Giordano, who everyone was kind of saying they were going to take. Um, who knows if he's going to stay with the team or not? Maybe they're going to keep him for a year and then maybe trade him at the trade deadline. Although they did bring him out. Um, he was one of the six players that they did bring to um, their expansion draft to kind of announce them. Um, he was there, obviously a very respected player, um, <clears throat> could easily be a, a captain if they choose to name a captain the first year. Um, but yeah, so we don't know if Mark Giordano is going to get flipped. I'm going to assume he's going to play with the team this year. And if he does get traded, it will be at the trade deadline but they could also hold on to him and name him captain next year. Um, so yeah, we have Mark Giordano there as well on defense. I will say the way this team was drafted is they are going to be a tough team to play against. Defensively, they went, they went def defensively heavy, like heavy. And when I say heavy, like also in the people that they drafted, you have Giordano, Alexiak, Larson, Susie, McDermott, like those five guys are huge and they can all hit really hard. And like, they, like they're going to be a tough team to play against if they have all of those defensemen. And then you add in Hayden Flurry and you have Vince Dunn and William Borgen and <clears throat> Kale Flurry as well. If you don't know, they drafted both. Kale and Hayden Flurry together, which is pretty cool. Um, they're brothers. But yeah, it seems like they really went like for tough, gritty type of players. Like you got Brandon Tanev in there as well from the offensive core, Colin Blackwell. Um, one of the most surprising picks, I will say though, is Carson Torininski. Uh, he's a left winger 
from the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I was kind of questioning this one. I thought maybe the Flyers gave them something, but they got nothing from anyone. Um, kind of an interesting selection considering James Van Riemsdyk and Jakob Voracek were on the board as well. But like I said, they didn't go for any big salary guys. Their biggest salaries are Mark Giordano at 6.7 and Eberly at 5.5 and Gord at 5.1. So they didn't really go that big. Obviously, like they said, cap, cap, cap. Um, that's all they want is cap room. Um, so the Seattle Kraken are definitely not done yet. So the team that you see is not the team that you're going to see come regular season time, come their opening night game. Um, <clears throat> we could see them make a lot of moves maybe for unrestricted free agents. When free agency does open, we could see them moving and making some trades. We could see them maybe acquiring bad contracts to pick up more picks for the future and just kind of building a future team. It looks like a lot more of a like younger kind of team up and coming than a contending team right now, but that could all change. Uh, Ron Francis did kind of leave the room open for what he wants. Now, my prediction is I think they will make some minimal moves and be somewhat competitive this year, but also try and acquire a lot of draft picks. Um, so that's kind of where the Seattle Kraken are at right now. They drafted their team. It's who they have. Obviously, I didn't mention Chris Drieger did get drafted as their goalie. He signed three years at three and a half million. Very solid contract. Um, they have a couple of RFAs they would have to sign if they choose to, like Carson Torreninski, Jeremy, or excuse me, Vince Dunn, who they selected from the St. Louis Blues, who I really like. Will William Borgen, who was selected from the Buffalo Sabres, a right-handed defenseman and very underrated, not really heard much around the league. And Dennis Chalowski, who is also an RFA. So that's four RFAs they have that they have to sign. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's very wide open right now. Um, I think they're going to probably try and get some picks and just be somewhat competitive. Although rumors are having it that Carolina Hurricanes are not going to be re-signing Dougie Hamilton, possibly. And the Kraken could be in line to go out and sign him. And wouldn't that just add to their defensive core right there, adding Dougie Hamilton? He could really be the face of the franchise if you wanted that to be. And there's many other speculated rumor moves. I'm sure we will see them over time. But the one thing that the Kraken do get is they get the number two overall pick. Now, who are they going to select with that pick? Well, that perfectly transitions us into the second half of today's episode, where we are going to be talking about the 2021 NHL draft. Now, the draft starts tomorrow. It will be the first round only. And then the day after on Saturday will be rounds two through seven. So today, I'm going to walk you through my mock draft for the first 16 picks which is the lottery draft picks. Um, I could probably go all the way up to 32 and do the first 32 picks. Although I'm going to tell you, I'm not completely qualified to know those later prospects. I know more about like the bigger prospects in the beginning of the first round type of area. So I'm only going to go as far as I think I could know. Um, otherwise I would be kind of just guessing to be honest. Um, so we will get into the Kraken's pick and who I think they're going to take. But first up, we have the Buffalo Sabres, 
who were the worst team last year, and they are lucky enough to get the first overall pick. And going first is going to be the big defenseman coming out of Michigan, Owen Power. Now, going into this year, no one was really sure who the number one pick was going to be. It kind of fluctuated a lot. Obviously, with COVID, scouting was much, much harder. But Owen Power has really established himself as almost the consensus number one pick that Buffalo is going to be going with. Owen Power is six foot five, a two-way defenseman, and he is a one of a kind. He has great movement. He can play in any situation, PK, power play, five on five, whatever you need. He had 16 points in 23 games, and he also led his team in block shots with 40, a really go out and do it all type of defenseman. Um, something that would be great to add into the Sabres team. Obviously, they selected Rasmus Dahlin with the number one pick as well. They do still have more work, and still rumors are kind of flowing around about Rasmus Ristalainen, who also is on defense. Owen Power is clearly the best in consensus number one overall pick right now, and I believe that's who Buffalo is going to go with. Now we go to the second pick, and we have the Seattle Kraken, the expansion team. They get to make their first ever selection, and it'll be at number two. And after going quite heavy on the defense in this year's expansion draft, I expect them to go offense. I expect them to go center for the legend who Ron Francis, he played center, knows how valuable that position is. And I'm going to go with another player from Michigan, Matthew Beneers. Now, Matthew Beneers would be a great cornerstone pick. I'm sure he would be, he could become the face of this franchise. Um, <clears throat> he's a two-way player, amazing, can do it all as well. Um, he said he models his game after the great Pavel Dotsuk, um, and what a great player to model after. And I really think Matthew Beneers is going to go here. And he couldn't come in right away. Maybe he doesn't, but I think... That would be a great pick. Guy from the U.S., of course, to have to back up behind your U.S. team. So I think the Seattle Kraken are going with Matthew Beneers. Now we move on to number three. And at number three, we have the Anaheim Ducks. Dylan Gunther from the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL is who I am picking to go number three. He is arguably the most offensively gifted player in this draft. And for a team who ranked dead last for goals with 2.21 goals per game and dead last in their power play, which was at 8.91%, there is no better fit than Dylan Gunther. Plus, this gives Zegris a potential winger to play with for the rest of his career. You could have your future center playmaker and wing sniper in Dylan Gunther and Trevor Zegris. Plus, you already have Jamie Drysdale, who you also drafted last year as your kind of solidified number one defenseman for the future. Next pick we have is number four, and this is the New Jersey Devils. And this is quite a heavy defense. There's four really solid defensemen who could be going in the top 10. And the Devils are someone who could probably use another D-man to help them out. And I am going to go with Luke Hughes, who played in the USU 18 league, but is committed to Michigan and will play at Michigan next season. I think there's too much temptation here not to link up him with his brother, Jack Hughes, who was selected number one overall. 
um, two years ago now. Um, obviously, there's other defensemen they could go with, but I just think the temptation is too much there. Plus, obviously, Luke Hughes is an amazing talent as well. Like, it is not just he's his brother. He's very good, and he's the bigger of the brothers. Um, he stands at six foot two, and while Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes, is, who's a defenseman, is a little bit more offensive, he's more of a two-way type of guy and is very poised on defense. At number five is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who really struggled this year. There's rumors going around um, that they might be looking to trade Seth Jones away. And who better to replace Seth Jones other than Simone Edvison, the six foot four defenseman from Sweden? He brings amazing size and IQ, as well as being one of the best skaters to come out of this draft. And he obviously draws a lot of similarities to Seth Jones. So who better to replace him? Then Simone Edvinson. At number six, we have the Detroit Red Wings. With this pick, I also think the Red Wings will go defense. Um, they have some decent offensive players, and they have later picks where they could go more forwards. And this will be the last of the top four D-men who were kind of put themselves out there in this draft by selecting Brant Clark from the OHL. <clears throat> Clark is a very skilled two-way right-handed shot defenseman. He played in Sweden this year um, with some older players um, after the OHL did get canceled. Um, and he really developed on defense out there, playing with bigger bodies. Um, Brant Clark was much more of an offensive defenseman, but has shifted his way into a two-way, which is much more the style of the NHL now. Moving on, we have the San Jose Sharks. And with this pick, I think that San Jose Sharks are going to take a goalie because Martin Jones isn't really doing it for them anymore, and they moved on from Devin Dubnik. I think they go with Jesper Wallstedt from Sweden. Um, now, seven is maybe a bit early to select a goalie for some people. Some people say you don't select a goalie that early. You can find one later on. Um, he is ranked as the number one goalie prospect in the draft. He reads the game extremely well and has that great composure to his game. Um, and obviously the Sharks could go another way in selecting a, some other players here, but I think they're going to take Jesper Wallstedt. He's really been hyped up, and I, I don't think he falls past the Sharks here. Now at number eight is the Los Angeles Kings, and I have them picking yet another Michigan player. So we're going to have three Michigan players in the top ten, and that is Kent Johnson. Johnson is an amazing sniper who he's also kind of a playmaker as well. And has shown to be quite the confident player, kind of bringing some pizzazz to his play style and who else to like some showmanship than LA um, kind of adds to that center core who already added by field in last year's draft. And now you could have that one, two punch in your future of Byfield and Kent Johnson, although Kent Johnson could also go and play on the wing as well alongside of Quinton Byfield. At number nine, we have the Vancouver Canucks. <clears throat> and here I've got them selecting William Eklund from Sweden. Um, Eklund is a very sp speedy and skilled forward. He can play that center or the wing, but for a team like the Canucks, who seem to be kind of set up that center position, he would most likely be featuring out on the wing. And after a poor season from the Vancouver Canucks, Eklund can be that energy guy that kind of like 
helps them out and gets them going and maybe even feature alongside a fellow Swede, Elias Pedersen. At number 10, we have the Ottawa Senators. And rounding out the top 10, I have the Senators taking Mason McTavish from the Petersburg Peets in the OHL. McTavish is a big centerman who is a powerful skater and can protect the puck. He draws comparisons to that of Ryan Getzlaff. It has been said that his play style is NHL ready and could see him jump into play right away, which might be good with the Senators team, who is quite young and inexperienced and kind of just getting their players ice time and get them going to try and grow them quicker for the future. Um, I'm not so sure how much of a great fit he would be in Ottawa, but in excuse me, in Ottawa, but he is the best player available. But I could also see him getting selected higher, which would leave the Senators drafting someone else. Now at 11 is supposed to be the Arizona Coyotes. However, this pick would be is forfeited after the Arizona Coyotes violated the pre-draft scouting back in 2019, where they conducted pre-draft physicals on many players in the U.S. and Canada prospect leagues outside of the scouting window. They also lost their 2020 second round pick last year. So now moving on to number 12, which is technically the 11th player selected at number 12. I'm going for Chaz Lucius from the USU under 18 league. And honestly, he might have the coolest name in this draft. Um, he is another centerman that can be added into their depth for the Blackhawks. Um, he is committed to Minnesota right now. And so it might be a bit of a wait for him till he's ready. But with his hard shot that is probably already NHL ready, he draws a lot of comparisons to Stanley Cup winner Steven Stamkos. <clears throat> At number 13, we have the Calgary Flames. And um, I think they're in need of a winger who can just put that puck in the back of the net. So I'm going to say they're going to go for Matthew Coronado, who played for Chicago in the U.S. Hockey League this year. Coronado is arguably the best pure goal scorer in this draft. He posted 48 goals in just 51 games this year. He has a great motor and paired with that lethal shot. I think he could fit in with the Flames quite nicely. At number 14, I have the Flyers taking Fedor Svechkov from Russia. The Flyers could be looking to add some more center depth, and with how they love to play, I could see Svechkov fitting right in. He is arguably the best defensive forward in this draft, and I feel like that fits the Philadelphia Flyers kind of style of play extremely well, that two-way style type of hockey, physical hockey. I think Svechkov would fit in quite well with the Philadelphia Flyers. At number 15, with this pick, it's the Dallas Stars, and I'm pretty confident that we are going to see them go for a defenseman. And I have them taking Corson Kulamans from the AJHL. Um, they already have an established top three defenseman in Lindell, Heiskanen, and Klingberg, and I think Kulamans could round it out for them. Uh, he's, the right, he's a right-handed shot defenseman, is a great skater with great speed and the ability to lead the rush out of the defensive zone, and his long reach is also very useful in keeping players out of their end. And finally, at number 16, the New York Rangers to round out the lottery. With the number 16 pick, I have the Rangers picking Cole Sillinger from the WHL. Sillinger is a guy who could easily go in the top 10, but I think he might slip down. And if he slips to the Rangers, I think they will have a hard time passing on the centerman. The Rangers are in need of some center prospects and depth for that center core. 
Um, Sillinger is no lousy option at all. He is a strong skating, high IQ playmaker, a perfect centerman to pair up with a player who likes to bury the puck. That's why I think he would fit in quite well with this New York Rangers team. Um, so that rounds it up for the lottery. I'm not going to go into the later picks because I'm not really sure. I do have three names, though, that I would like to mention that are also notable who I did not mention in off the board. The first one is Sebastian Kosa. Um, he is ranked as the second best goalie prospect in this draft, but do not be surprised if you see him going and getting picked before Jesper Wallstadt. Um, also, don't be surprised if you see two goalies get picked in the top 10. This year's draft is really kind of wacky and it might be different from other drafts. We could see later picks being better than other players who got drafted much higher up this year. Another pick to look out for is Aturati. He's the Finnish forward who a couple of years ago looked like he was going to be the potential consensus number one overall pick. He has since then dropped down kind of a late first rounder he's projected to go. He's a player with good speed and great puck control, can play center or left wing, and he could be quite the steal late in the first round, depending on how his development goes. And the third player I will mention who is notable, who has not been picked yet, is Carson Lambos. He is my diamond in the rough. He played in Finland with other bigger, stronger players. He is more of a stay-at-home type of defense, defenseman who has the potential to only get better and could potentially be a future top two for whoever selects him. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening as we covered the Kraken's first players that they picked and kind of what their game plan looks to be, as well as potentially what the first picks of the draft could look like for tomorrow. Um, my next episode will be coming out on Sunday after the draft has con concluded, and we will go over how the picks go kind of grading each team's drafts and maybe looking at some trades that might have happened before the draft and during the draft. So make sure to follow me here on Spotify and I'll catch you all next time for another episode of Top Shelf.